Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. Are you ready now? Oh, I'm sure this is math. Tom. <laughs> Robert. Yeah. Well, all right, fellas. Well, let's go. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? So here's the deal. You know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super Auto geeks. Pilot is All on. the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. Tesla. You don't even have Tesla. Tesla. Yep. I remember that. You've got a Model X. seen the future, <laughs> and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for Talking Tesla 55. I'm here in studio, in actual studio with Tom and Robert. I'm so excited. I love it when we're in studio together. Two weeks in a row, we managed to pull that off. However, whoop, whoop. next week, not so much. We're going to have to work that we'll out. We'll figure it out. We'll work it out. We'll get to it. Because some of us have to go to Vegas, which we're, we're going to discuss a little bit later about how to get to Vegas yes. from LA. But hey, I wanted to start with Ooh, a little something called story. Going Zero. But you know what? I probably should put that at the end. No, I think we should put it right up front I think since it's you great. just said it. Yeah. All right, let's yeah. do... I'm doing this little thing called Going Zero, which is about trying to make uh, the little company that I run here uh, zero emissions. So let's uh, edit in the little podcast within a podcast right now. Uh, for me, it does. Yeah, it does. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I'm, yeah. That's Jess and Dave Mason. They work for my company called EMRAP, and we're having a discussion about whether a $10,000 incentive would help push them to getting an electric car. Really, I mean, regard like okay, I have friends that are like global warming deniers. That's always asking. I know, but but when talking about recycling or saving the planet or any of that, everyone always agrees that yeah, why the hell not? I mean, it doesn't take any more effort to save the planet. So I would totally be pushed in that direction. He's asking, does the credit that he will give from the company does that push us more towards? buying a tesla uh, yes i think so this is the beginning of a new series within talking tesla that i'm going to call going zero it's the story of how one little company is trying to create a situation where they have essentially a zero carbon footprint but let's go back in time a little bit shall we because all of this is going to require a little bit of explanation so let's go back to a time i don't know just a few weeks ago when mel was on a little walk it's despite the fact that there is an enormous difficult drought that uh, California is going through. The birds are chirping, the trees are green and the palm trees are sort of swaying in the breeze and um, you know you don't have to be a particularly philosophical person to just continually to be stunned at the fact that we live on this incredible planet and the odds against it are are so great and whether you're a theist or a non-theist it is miraculous in the truest sense of the word in either case. And our job as the, the predominant species in the planet is to care for that world. And, and we've sort of screwed it up. You know, we've used fossil fuels in the last hundred years. And the first world has become very wealthy using that as an energy source. And even the developing world now is becoming significantly less poor than it was even a few decades ago. Based again, largely on the burning of fossil fuels and even though the, there were people with concerns about what that could mean for the climate over 100 years ago, it's really only been in the last 30 years, and particularly the last 20 years, that we've realised what a disaster it is. 
And so that's not rocket science, right? We know that we have to go to renewable energy sources. But I was thinking as we were doing articles in the last few weeks on Talking Tesla, the big important companies with billions of dollars worth of assets and revenue like Google and Apple and Microsoft and others are trying to use renewable energy sources as part of what they consider you know, an important part of who they are, of what they want to be in the world as a company that really looks to uh, clean energy as a sustainable option for their businesses. Made sense. And it got me thinking, although personally in my own life I've got solar panels and I drive an electric car, I've never really fully engaged in the idea that I should make my entire company, small company, nine or ten people, I should make it as carbon neutral as possible. And so on one of my little walks, doing my little musings, I thought, let's do it. Let's see if we can get this company to zero carbon emissions And let's create a little podcast within a podcast about how we might be able to achieve that so that other people can listen to it and maybe get some ideas. If you're a climate change denier, if you think that this is all crap, if you think we should be burning coal and oil and it's all good, it's all fine, nothing to worry about here, what are you worried about? This is not for you. I'm going to forget that premise. I'm not even going to go down that road. It's kind of like I'm not going to argue about the flat earth versus the round earth thing. We're way past that. So the first thing I wanted to do then was try and work out For each of our employees, about how much energy are they using in their work for us, for their company? Because everybody works at home. Try and get a sense of how much energy is that? Is there a way that we can offset that? So the company is an education company. Mostly in this education company, it's for physicians. But we also have our nonprofit arm where like things like Talking Tesla come from. So basically, we create digital bytes. People sit in their rooms at home. And they create content, audio content, video content. Then they support that content. They take phone calls. Uh, We post it up on the web. Uh, We distribute it digitally. And there's also some physical material that gets sent out. But for the vast majority of people, this is about audio products, video products that are placed on the web that are then sent out and are created in people's little home studios. So for each of the people that work in the company, again, around nine or ten people, it's about offsetting the energy they use at home to create those digital bits and bytes. And so there's a bit of math. And the bit of math goes like this. Let's say you work full-time for the company. Let's say you work 10 hours a day because you're a really hard worker. And you work five days a week. You just can't stop. You're a classic sort of type A American. And you use about 300 watts an hour, which is what I got off the internet for the use of a computer and a printer. And if you do the math on that, it's about 720 kilowatt hours per person per year. And let's say you drive 10 miles a day for us. Almost nobody does except for Jess and Dave that you heard at the beginning. But let's say on average it's 10 miles a day and uh, you do this sort of five times a week, 48 weeks a year. So we're talking somewhere again around 700 to 800 kilowatt hours per year in driving for the company. If you round this all together, it's about 1,500 kilowatt hours per person per year. And again, if you do the math, if you go on a calculator, you work out that you need about a two kilowatt system, solar system, to create about that much energy per year. And that fully installed system in the US right now costs about $5,000. So for $5,000, a solar system, in theory, you could offset all of the energy that your employer is using at their house to create the product that you then send out to the world. $5,000. So I thought to myself, self, let's give everybody $5,000 or even more and say, If you get a solar system or if you get an equivalent like an electric car that could offset a lot of your carbon footprint, then we'll give you $5,000 over and above what the feds and the states give you. In fact, to really incentivize people, I thought, well, let's do $10,000. Yes, we can. That's our CFO, Kelly, with the answer to the question, 
Can we afford this? Because we're making it a priority. It could be argued in any company that you don't want to spend money you, quote, don't need to. But this is one of the tenets of our company that you feel strongly about. And so 90000 is doable uh, for us. And so the $90,000 comes from if everybody takes a $10,000 incentive, it'll cost the company about $90,000. She says, you know what? We can do it. Now the question is, why give 10000 if I just worked out that you only need to give 5000 Well, it kind of goes like this. My understanding and, and what they're working through, this, the laws are constantly changing. The incentives are constantly changing, according to them. So it's hard to speak clearly. And it would be true in different numbers in different states. But that the way that we would pass on these incentives to our employees would be uh, through wages. That is the only way for them to get it. So they would get a $10,000 bonus, same as a bonus per year. So it would be taxable income to them. Uh, so that was another reason when we took into the account the number that we wanted to give employees potentially was if they give them 10000 depending on their tax rate, they're really going to maybe be receiving $7,500 in real dollars to invest in a car or in solar. And we could find no way around that ex- except as taxable income. And then on the flip side, as a benefit to the company, there really isn't any incentives to a company that we can see to be green unless we leased all the cars under our company's name and gave them to employees to use, that would be a tax deduction for us, but not a big enough one to probably cover all that cost. And as we said, our employees really aren't driving around. They're not like uh, FedEx. They're basically at home creating content digitally. And so a solar incentive is the way to go. But we opened up. We said, look, if you put in uh, a solar system that's uh, 2,000 uh, kilowatts or more, uh, we'll give you $10,000 and that'll turn into $7,500. So if you buy a fully electric car and you're using it for work and non-work, well, that'll be fine as well. So that's the number we came up with. And uh, we've sent it out there to the crowd. And we're going to interview a number of them to find out if that moves the dial for them enough to go and get the solar. Now let's go back to Jess and Dave, because they're sort of a unique group within the company, because they actually do quite a bit of driving. They live in Fresno, a few hundred miles away from sort of the main studio where we do a lot of the work. So they come back here a lot, visit friends, family, relatives, and then they do work. So I want to get them into an electric car, and I want to get them into a Tesla, because I think it's really the only car right now with enough range. So here's a question to them. Does $10,000 move the mark? For them getting a Tesla, a brand new Tesla, or a second-hand Tesla? I mean, you're talking Pre-owned. about taking out a loan at, I don't know, what are car loans, 3%, 3.5% right now, 4%, maybe 2%? Depends on who you finance Yeah, it whatever to. bank. Okay. You're only talking about maybe a $100 difference in the loan mm-hmm. from ten from 100000 to 90000 So 100 to 90 that's still like way over the top. But- um but sixty to fifty. But sixty to fifty. That's that's a big difference. That's a bigger difference. That's a seven hundred dollar a month payment. So okay, but I have a question. Do, if we got a pre-owned, then do we still get a federal tax credit for buying pre-owned, or is it only with the new ones? So it turns out that in California, it's really when you primarily buy or lease the vehicle the first time, you get the tax credit. That car can't get another tax credit. So they're going to have to get a second-hand car. Plus our incentive, the feds and the state, they're not going to help out. But you heard it from them, and I think it's probably extrapolatable to a lot of people. A $10,000 incentive on a $100,000 car doesn't matter much. And in fact, Elon has said the same thing. Cars that are that expensive, the federal and state tax credits, yeah, they're fine, 
but they don't really move the needle very much. But down at the lower end, down at the Model 3 end, down at that thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 end, a $10,000 credit of some form moves the needle for people a lot. It takes it from a car that's just a little bit too expensive to one that's potentially affordable. Yes, hello, Mel. That's my new friend, Dwight. He's a talking Tesla listener, and he's a design engineer. He owns a company that helps other companies design and then go on and build really low-energy office space. He's got a lot of great ideas about how he can do that. And we're going to talk to him next time on Going Zero, because it has implications not only just for people who are going to own office space or about to build office space, but maybe for you too. Maybe for you in your own home. You can significantly reduce the energy that you need to run that home or that business. Ah, yes, but ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's for next time on Going Zero. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, or should I say you guys, what do you think uh, of episode one of the podcast within the podcast? I think it's really good. I mean, honestly, I I sort of, I bow to your sort of omnipresent sort of thought process and trying to challenge people yes. to move their businesses forward. Yes. Although I will admit, I think there's a lot of things. I know your com- companies obviously very intimately because uh-huh. I worked in them for a very long, <laughs> for a long very time. long time. So I think there are things that Inside you have left stories. out, such right. as the envelopes, the CDs. Oh, we haven't even begun. This right, is you episode even, one. Right, but this is what I'm, I'm curious is what – but when you're doing this math, this math that you started off that yeah. you're going to go over, right, this is only about – the base sort of computer, the day-to-day work of your yes. employees, not the overall footprint of your company. So we're going to go through all that. Well, I'm just sort of starting somewhere where, where it could relate to onboarding okay. Tesla, like how much energy do you use? How do you drive your car around? But then yeah, we're going to get to the entire carbon footprint of the, the company because, yeah, we send out CDs. How much does it cost to send a CD out? What's the carbon footprint of that? All of this stuff is going to be there. It's going to be juicy. It's going to be big. It's going to be large. Also, every one of your employees' houses that I've ever been to, including yours, they never turn their computer off. So 10 hours a day, you're going to have to bump that up a little bit. Yeah, you the rest- never turn your computer off. No, well, I'm different. I'm <laughs> you're special. special. You're the man. <laughs> I know whenever I check our show notes, day. your face is always on there. Yeah. It's Actually, beautiful. not always. Once right. I saw it was so, gone. So then we won't get into that other list of things that I have because I'm curious what you're going to come up with. I'm going to come up with a lot of stuff, and then each week you can uh, we can discuss a little bit. But, yeah, this was just sort of the base. So I think it's exciting. Where do you? Th- I think it's going to fail terribly for a number of reasons, but we'll get into it well, in the Well, you think ahead. what part of it's going to fail, like your ability to do it? Oh, here's an example. For example, we're going to give some money to people who work in the organization to get solar panels. They live in an apartment. They can't get solar panels. They live in a house where it's all shaded all day. So what do you do for those people? And I started to look up things like community solar. So this happens all the time. I can't get solar panels. I would like to get solar panels. So now there are these companies that are being developed where they go buy 50 acres over there, and they say to Tom, we can stick your solar panels over there. You pay us for it. We'll feed it into the grid so you can feel like you're being part of this solution. And I found one which was on, uh, not Patreon, but one of those uh, crowdfunding things, and I got all excited about it. These two guys, we've got a way to do it. You can buy in and get credits, and it's going to be great. And then I went onto the site yesterday, and they're being investigated for fraud. Oopsie. (laughs) Not a good start. <laughs> no, that's not a good start. But but like again, you're you're in and of yourself. You could theoretically look at it as you're already kind of offsetting a lot because you're producing way more power on your roof most of the time. 
So you could factor that stuff into what you already done. I started to think of myself actually as a little um, community solar because we you put did? solar. <laughs> That's we, weird. <laughs> we put solar on grandma and grandma's house, right? And just a little bit overbuilt it, just <laughs> just a tad, just three times as much as they're actually using, <laughs> nice. which I would like to say is not completely my screw up. Three times as much. Whose screw up is that? Solar wow. City people? Uh, no, it wasn't Sunrun. Solar City. It was, uh, yeah, what kind Solar of Town? Solar Town. <laughs> Whatever the name of the company I use, which will not be used against hmm. them. So uh, the first thing I did, so let me go into a good discussion. Can I like, some solar? Oops. Three times too much? Uh, yeah, away. Whew, a lot. So uh, first thing I said to Grandpa, you know, this is, you're making a lot of energy up here. Step one, I'm putting in an EV charger, and every time we come and visit you, I'm plugging in. Step two, so you, you really should get an electric like car. So he's a former electric engineer hmm. and uh, really wants to upgrade his 10-year-old car. And he's like, oh, I'd love to get a plug-in car. And you know which one he's really thinking about getting, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? You're going to get your first referral there? Is it new? Is it, wait, oh, well, let me guess. Is he getting a new car or is he going to buy a used He's going to lease one because he figures he's 83. He's not going to be driving for that much he's longer. He's going to lease a Leaf then? No, he's not. BMW. He needs, he needs something a little higher. Ooh. We've talked about grandma. Oh, the soul. Not the soul. So I said, you should oh, get a soul. Right. And he said, I think that is the ugliest car <laughs> in the world. And this oh, is a guy who doesn't sorry, care Franco. about what We don't think it's ugly. He hates the way it looks. I think it looks mm. great. So he's going Bolt. I sent him the Bolt and he's like, hang on a minute. That looks fantastic. Over 200 mile range. That's all I'll ever need. Fantastic. I'm going to lease a Bolt. And because he's a former GM employee... <gasps> He can perhaps get another 5% off. So he's thinking Bolt. But Robert is the only one of the three of us who's actually seen the Bolt in person. Is it a little higher? Does it, it sit is. a little bit It higher? feels kind of like a very standard compact car. It's sort of like a Ravish 4 kind of a mm. crossover. Like, like you're a big tall guy. Did you have to squat right down? It's Ooh, not that. No, you don't have to slooch, slooch down. You don't slooch have to slooch. Slooch is not, not a word. word. You, don't <laughs> to, <laughs> you don't have to sloop <laughs> or slouch or anything like that, because, really. Because Dave and Jess, and they're part of this interview, right? They also said something about Dave has some hip issues, yes. right? And sorry, Dave, to point those oh, out. Oh, he pointed it out, so it's fine. <laughs> right. Like, so, and the S, they talked about getting the air ride suspension, and I was voxing with her, and I'm like, that's not the difference in the, like, it's only a few inches. I don't yeah, think it's like it, six inches. To maybe. me, it wouldn't make a difference for somebody who was really having right. issues with that. It's not that different. Although, not. the X may be, I, the I don't X know the answer. is way higher. The X, uh, if, particularly if you pop up the S suspension, is very high. And so he wouldn't, so he's not even looking at, like, the RAV for EV used as an option because that's probably a better option for him, honestly. Um, yeah. Not and really. Expensive. He wants – when we looked at cars that only had 100 miles range, he's like, ah, that makes me a little anxious. Then he was starting to think about plug-in hybrids, but then he came back the next day as an engineer. He's like, you know, the whole point of electric car is that you don't have to, you know, have the oil and you don't have to have all of these problems with the internal combustion engine. Yeah. He's like – uh, if I'm going to get a plug-in EV, I don't want no stupid uh, combustion engine in there as well. So, Do they drive a lot? What's my best option? They don't drive that much at all, but he's like, if I went up to Santa Barbara, if I went to some other places, I would really like to be able to have 200 miles plus. So I'm like, bolt, right. baby. I think he's going to make that I hope, happen. I hope it works. I'm, uh, yeah. As an ex-employee, does he get some inside information as to when it's available, he gets where it nothing. is? No. Yeah. I'm sure they're just they're throwing that information out to anybody who used to work for them. Mm. All two million of them. But since this is a Tesla show and not the Bolt show, what? It's not. It's not bolting Bolt. 
I just like to say that uh, I got the uh, 8.0 update for the X, and at first, you know, last week, I was saying that Elon hates me because of the effing Falcon Wing doors, and then I was reading Teslarati, we love those guys, and uh, Gene in particular, and they said that this was already known, that the S 8.0 update would occur before the X 8.0 update, and then I felt like, oh, Elon may not hate me, and then a couple of days ago, boom, along comes the 8.0 update. And, well, what is the verdict? First of all, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I can tell you that one of the biggest changes on the X with mm. the 8.0 update mm. is the falking wing doors. Falky. I heard that. That was like – it was it's very subtle in there. Falking. Just, did you see falking. that? <laughs> see what I did there? Falking. At least you didn't call them the gulking wing doors. Yeah. Right. The falking wing doors now go up and down faster, and it is noticeable. It's not like lightning. It's not like a boom, but they are significantly faster, which is good. Does does that make you nervous though? Because they were smacking you around a bit at slower <laughs> speed. Do you so think that I, like that now they're going to hit the door and you faster? Um, they are faster, but you know what? One of the issues was is that they still don't see you very well. The sensors on there are not very good. So I stand under the falcon wing door and I hit closed door and it'll still bonk me on the head. But it now bonks me on the head faster faster <laughs> Which is and nice. i can push against it and it'll stop bonking me on the head huh. with less effort it used to be like you have to push back with like 70 pounds of effort now it's just a little bump and it'll stop so, so it'll f- still hit you faster but with less force it's faster and weaker that is interesting because i think how do you like how do you put that in your sort of design uh bullet points all right so what we want you to do is make the doors faster and also a touch weaker exactly. so when they kill when they hit grandma and grandpa they don't kill them they just can custom a little <laughs> less than before. Okay, so you we have some updates. Let's control. so since we're talking about Tesla and we're talking about updates, the stock price right now is two hundred. I believe, uh, not that's not great. Time to buy. It's not. Yeah, you always say that. You say that every. <laughs> well, that week. was Bloomberg's fault. You know, Bloomberg came out and they adjusted their ideal price for Tesla from two forty five to like one eighty five, mm-hmm. and I'm convinced. No. That doesn't didn't? sound ideal. No, it isn't. But, <laughs> no. you know, it's like... No, they did. I just said that doesn't sound it's ideal. It's like what significantly has actually changed about Tesla? I think they're afraid that they're not going to hit their production quotas, right? And that the... I mean, even if the Bolt is wildly successful, wildly successful... How successful? Wildly successful. Go on. There's no way... Like they're they going to make a hundred or two hundred or three hundred thousand of them. They just no. can't do it. It's not going to happen. They so, can't even make a shit ton worth. Right. They can't even make a shit ton. Okay, let's go over it. There's a metric ton. Metric ton. There's an American ton. And, and there's, there's a, a shit ton. ton. Yeah. Right. There's another ton I came up with the other day, but a crap ton. A crap ton. <laughs> a crap ton. How is that different is, from the shit ton? Well, one's metric and one's standard. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. Imperial <laughs> versus yeah, yeah, non-imperial. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then right now, yesterday, the most – I just wanted to give people an update because we talk about the used Tesla site because Go Jess on. and Jen – Jess – sorry, Jess and Dave. Dave sorry, Dave. She hangs out with Jen a lot. Um, Jess and Dave were talking about getting a used Tesla. So right now, there's a 2012 – 85, it's lovely, $50,000, 35,000 miles. It's located in Los Angeles. Hmm. Um, should I buy it? Can you buy it for me? Any Either one of you guys want to go in on like 12, 13 grand a piece? You want, I'll, I'll give you a 6% loan. Oops. What? <laughs> I have way <laughs> better I'll, I'll credit. I'll do that too. I have, oh, yeah, I mean, 6%. <laughs> I have way better credit than that. You guys are bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Five and up. Uh, well, you're, you're going to be buying a car that explodes, yeah. it flames, it, it kills people, and it's, you know, 
It's absolutely not a good risk. <laughs> it's a terrible, <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible risk. So any other additional updates besides the faster killing doors? The faster killing doors. Okay, so of course it's the autonomous drive. Now, I'm confused as to what to call it now. So we have the hardware that came in at about October 2014, and you got a little bit of radar, and you got a little bit of optics, and you got some stuff around the sides, which look about 16 feet to the side and about 16 feet to the back. And that was doing fine. Yeah, a few people died, but, you know, it happens. People die. And then they updated the software, 8.0, so they moved from using the optics to mostly using photon radar, something special from Star Trek. And so do we call this, is this Autopilot 2.0 or is this, because there's no new hardware, is it Autopilot 1.5? What do we call it when the new hardware comes out? Because that's probably more like Autopilot 2.0. I'm confused as to what to call us right now. Drive Assist? Drive assist. There's actually a term for it, right? I, I have We're it in this indetestment period where there's no upgrade in hardware, just a significant upgrade in software. So is it Autopilot 2.0? I'm going to start calling it auto steering. Anyway, let me give you my summary. There's a number of videos on the interwebs right now. What? What's the what? The in the internet. It's a thing. Don't worry about it. It's oh, a okay. passing fab. Um, and then I drove it around a little bit uh, yesterday, and I can say this. For looking forward... One of the big things that it was supposed to improve was the ability to bounce this sort of radar, photon stuff under the car in front to see the car in front of you. and that In works front of the car in front of in you. In front of the car in front of you. That actually works spectacularly well, at least the little icony bit. You can, can see, see that there's a car there. There's a little icony bit. Whether it's going to do anything with that icon, <laughs> right. I don't know. So it does that really well. But it still does not do well at all because of the lack of sensors. Seeing to the side seeing behind you very well. So a lot of cars will come right up next to you and the little icon doesn't show up until it's mostly in front of you and then it sees it. And then we'll see the car in front of that one. But for the sides and for the rear, That's not the, so good. Those are those little ultrasonic and they're bumps. Only, they're only along 16 the... feet. They only see about yeah. 16 feet. And that's Maybe. why people have said, when you uh, do change the lane for me, yeah. it's only looking 16 feet behind you. Right. And so it's potentially cutting people off and there's a number of reports of like you turn it on it says oh there's nobody 16 feet behind me i'll just go across you're looking in the rear vision mirror seeing another tesla doing 220 miles an hour coming up behind you like don't do it yet right i mean you can make up 16 feet very very quickly depending yeah. on how fast i'm not going to do the math i'll DL, wait for yeah. robert to do the math on what how fast 60 miles an hour can cover 16 feet but it's, it's very quickly it's fast so, so I, I would can, say it is a significant upgrade it sees in front really well um, but this side and back uh, viewing is not good, and that's why I wouldn't upgrade my Tesla right now until we get upgraded hardware. So the term used by one of our letter writers, and I confirmed on the Tesla Motors Forum website, is TAC. TAC? T-A-C-C for Traffic Aware Cruise Control. Thank you. That's the right term. I'm going to use that from now on. It seems, it seems to work for all of the Tesla you, aficionados. You didn't even use it correctly then. No. I'm, you added an IE. I'm unable to do anything correctly. That's what happens to his heart rate when it's not working well enough. <laughs> oh, now you broke out a doctor reference of tachycardia. Nice. So nice. The, the one thing that stood out to me yes. in the, of the update yes. was, okay, when the Tesla, when we got our Tesla and we looked in the thing and the telephone was this oddly shaped green thing? Yes, that looked like a thing that used to hang on my grandma's wall. Right. Yes. 
right? In a, in a very modern car, they decided to use the symbol for a wired handset. Because the average the age thing. of a Tesla owner is about 62. <laughs> is that what it was? Probably. Like people were like, oh, that's what my phone looks like. Right. And now it looks like uh, my phone with the little icons. It looks like a little iPhone, Android type situation oh, yeah, up does. at the top. So it's that, so much better. Worth so much better. I've got a question. You've got 8.0? Yes. You've got 8.0? Yeah. I've got 8.0 in two cars. Guess what I can't do? Find anything on the damn radio. They've yeah. changed the way the radio works, and I find it a complete cluster. I'm on XM, and I just want to go to the 80s, and I want to go – I can't get into XM and just scroll like I used to. I can't find a effing thing That's called on learning. the new radio. Learning. It's called learning. Can you find anything? Old, I sat out there old dog, with a cigarette and a Diet trick. Coke, and I was playing with it for hours. I can't All work the radio. All of my program stations are still in there. You know like what? I, the program still, ones are there, but I can't flip through and scroll you know what, like I used to. You know what I can't fucking find? <laughs> what? It's talking Tesla on the podcast. <laughs> God damn it. Issue. Yeah. Well, you can find a lot of other podcasts on there, but not ours. Maybe um, Elon listens to the show, and he's like, I don't think so. I bet you... Well, I was going to say later in the show, don't you think every Wednesday when Elon gets his, you know, every six hour updates for what's going on in the world, someone's not running up to him. Oh, Elon, 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 here's the news. And this is what Tom said on Talking Tesla. Does Tiny Tim work for you? <laughs> no, I was going to say, Tiny Tim works for you. So great. That's and the Elon second Tiny Tim. Fl- Elon flips him like a quarter and says, go get me a Christmas goose. <laughs> Maybe it's like a eunuch, you know? He's got his own oh, eunuch. I'm just Jesus. asking Tesla Nation out wow. there. Tesla Nation, am I the only person who's having problems with the radio? I hate the radio update. <laughs> Everything else beautiful. The maps is fantastic. Uh, the radar improvements, it's all good. The radio is a problem that is bigger than Ben Hur's it has get. It does get better uh, reception. Ba- I'm getting better reception. Based on your history of not being able to open your charge port <laughs> yes. and several other things that seemed very obvious to the rest of us. Like those yeah. buttons My on, guess the, is, on yes. the wheel. It's you. My inability to uh, read anybody's name, my inability to open the charge port does begin to suggest that that severe head injury I had a few years ago has left some residual damage. But let me ask you this about version 8, right? So now they've said that they've driven about 221 million miles on version 1, and version 2 is drastically different, Mm -hmm. different style. It's not a complete reset, but there's definitely a whole new learning curve, right, for this software that it's having to go through. And I think that's going to be very interesting because we talk about whether or not that seeing the car in front is going to have a major amount of impact on how the car brakes. Again, it's still not braking smoothly, at least I don't, I don't think it is. It's a, little, it's a little smoother. Um, you know, you, your analogy of the initial uh, autopilot, now what's it called, tech? Tech 1.0. That took eight minutes, Tesla Nation, by the way. <laughs> was uh, that it basically is like a 16-year-old uh, new driver. Yeah. Eh, accelerate, slow down, eh, accelerate. It's now a 16-and-a-half-year-old driver. <laughs> In my limited experience, it still accelerates when it shouldn't. It slows down a little weird. Right. It's still – it's much better, I think. It's a much wow. smoother I'm, experience, but I'm it's still not perfect. I'm liking this analogy. So then when we get to full – Level four autonomy and the car can drive all by itself. It's going to be like a 17 year old teenager high on dope because it's going to go much slower <laughs> and it's going to be chill. much more careful. It's going to be very chill and you're going to be like, shit, I've got to get to work. Go faster. I'm taking <laughs> over. Or maybe it'll be like, 
everybody out at Ocella right now. <laughs> just like a bunch of 40 year olds reliving their childhood, just like, yo, it's man, cool, man. It's, it's all cool. good with their medical cards and their soon to be recreational cards. But you know, in the, uh, in the uh, packet for Old Cella, which I, I resent that name, it's called the Desert Trip. It says on there. You can there, resent it all you want. It's it, Old Cella. It says there at the bottom, one of the Q&As is, um, can I bring my medical marijuana? And the answer, when you open that up, it says, hey, daddy-o, that stuff's not allowed here. What these guys are talking about is uh, there's a very, very big uh, music thing that goes on in the desert called Coachella. And now there's this other one, which might be even bigger. And it's got... It's the, not bigger. It's the Who. and It's, it's more money. Uh, Dylan and it's Paul McCartney and all these really old people in old bands. Really and, old people. <laughs> and, the average age of performer, 72. And the, it's make it could be the most profitable music concert ever. They're talking about hundred and sixty million dollar gross, and well, it's all very old people driving their Teslas down. There one more fun much. fact is if you went to try, so they didn't use regular porta potties because the old folk want nice porta potties, so they have flush porta potties only, a thousand of them. And what I heard was that if you go to the state of Texas and you want to rent a flush porta potty, they're all in Inyo in California. That's funny. All right, so uh, we're talking about miles. That's a lot of shit. So they did 221 million miles on version 1.0 of TAC. Mm-hmm. So you're saying uh, we it, have to like reboot TAC well, I'm 2.0. Asking what you think about that? Like again, there's going there's some changes, right? The car is learning a yes. whole new software. Yes. It's again not starting from zero, but there's a lot of changes. The 16 foot thing is actually very concerning. Yes, I think that obviously needs to get doubled, possibly even tripled, to be really super effective in the long term. But do you feel like we're going to get because because you asked the question of like, is it going to be? Are we going to see more crashes? or less crashes because of this new software. Yeah, well, the big thing is death. You know, Elon keeps tweeting out about how many deaths per million miles driven. And right now, he did one a couple of days ago. The current estimates from uh, the US is that there's one death now for every 88 million miles driven. On Teslas, not No, in all cars, overall. So if you want to find out if Tesla auto steer tech thing is going to be better, you're going to have to have multiples of 88 million to see if it is safer. And that's still bogus. And again, I think that these numbers that Elon give about how safe it is is bogus because you're using that auto steering at a very specific type of driving, which is usually on the freeway, which is going where it's uh, it can see. So humans under those circumstances might be much safer than 88 one death per 88 million miles. So I think that the numbers he's giving are actually false. I'm not sure if he understands that, but I think you're looking at comparing auto steering under the best of circumstances versus people under all circumstances. So it may not be that safe. I'm just saying. But anyway, it will take time to get hundreds of millions of miles again, which we'll need. And I think, didn't they say they're doing about 3 million miles per day of uh, tech driving right now? In the last three months, they delivered almost 25,000 cars, all with autopilot. So every car coming out now has autopilot. But not necessarily turned on if the people chose not to engage it. doesn't matter. But they're learning. They're learning. They're learning. They're they're using all of the data that's being collected by all these cars. But are those cars like, oh, I would break here? Like, is that really what's happening inside this software, right? So you're driving down the street. You don't have autopilot engaged. You get to a point where there's a car in front of you, and the car's like, oh, but – 
I would have stopped a little bit later. I would have started braking a little bit later than that. Are they learning the good ways to drive also as opposed to just the bad things? Well, I don't know how they would characterize Tesla drivers. So if there's somebody with a lead foot going both on hard on brake, hard on gas. That's you. No, I, I actually use Regen absolutely I've got it down. I know where on the exits of the ramp, you know, exits to the freeway, where yeah. to take my foot off. I said, at this sign, I take my foot off and I am just using regen to brake the entire way. I get to the red light and the car is going like an eighth of a mile an hour. But you like to drive fast. You I won't do. deny that, right? Yeah. No, I enjoy that. But at the same time, how do they gauge who to use as the yeah, model I guess that's true. For, for calibrating the radar this or is just so. How is it learning then in that in that in that case? Because I think you bring up a good point, yes. right? Because if it is always always aware yeah. whether or not it's turned on or not, it has to be learning. Is it learn? It could be learning from bad drivers. But if it's, it's well, it could do stuff like GPS. Like every time a human gets to this point, they're braking. Our software wouldn't have bro- put the brakes on. If everybody's doing it, then that it's like Wikipedia. It's like if everybody's doing this, probably a good chance that this is the most accurate thing. So it is a teenage driver. They just want to do it because everyone else is I doing it. I, <laughs> I think with well, lots of people and you normalize the data, you get pretty accurate to what is the right thing. And again, the Wikipedia thing is, is an example of that. So I don't know exactly what they're doing with it. but It's fascinating how you develop auto driving. Or autonomous driving. It's just fascinating. You know, Google is now up to, I think, uh, 2 million miles driven, something like that. <laughs> they have so many more miles driven. But again, to me, they 2 million is, or 2 billion? 2 no. million. Google's That's way behind. Way Tesla way. has more. I'm sorry. Tesla you, has you, way more. You were yeah. confusing me. But again, uh, I don't know where they're collecting the data. Are they collecting it all the time? Are they collecting it only when they're on the freeway? I'm sure they're collecting it I always. I would love to talk to somebody about uh, in the Tesla world. Like, what are you doing? How are you doing it? This is fascinating. Tell the world. But then you, somebody brought up, you know, uh, GM is also doing this and Volvo is doing this and Mercedes is doing this. Wouldn't it be nice to aggregate all of the damn data yes, into a supercomputer and get some real data? Yeah. That's what I said last week. We should have one major organization to collate all this information. We would get it out faster. Everybody just pays a fee. Well, we can't even get a charging standard. What are the chances? <laughs> That's, right. You're right. It's not going to happen. So we should move on because this is really interesting, but it's really in the next few weeks to months we'll be able to have some data to talk about this. What's happening with AutoTech steering uh, pilot 2.0? Yeah, that's pretty pretty close to to how we should be yeah, referring should be to it. I don't think that'll confuse anybody by no, that calling it fun. that. Robert had a problem with his door. The door, the damn door on the Tesla. You don't even have an X. How'd that happen? Yeah, it's not the Falcon Gullwing. It's the damn doors. Door. <laughs> it's the damn door. It was when I walked out to my car and I saw the little charge port open, and I was like, "Oh man." Who did that? Of course, ready to blame somebody. And I go up to it and I close it and pops right back open. And then I realized there's a magnet on the little door and the magnet was not stuck onto the door anymore. It was stuck onto the car side. And the little stickum, it's got like a double stick tape in there. It's not epoxy. Interesting. It is not epoxy. I thought of putting on epoxy, being a fixer kind of guy. That's what I would have done. But then I thought, hmm, I don't know. There's like clearances and tolerances. And if you scrape all of the the rubbery double stick tape off now and you close it, it kind of closes a little indented. 
so it doesn't look flush. It would be funny wow. if you epoxied your little magnet and couldn't open the dead thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that so would be cool. bad. So then I remembered that this had actually happened to me like a couple years ago, and they had to replace the little double stick stuff. But anyway, I was busy. It's been a very busy weekend in the last four days. So I got some blue painter tape, and I put it on my car, yeah. and I thought – Wow, this is embarrassing. (laughs) You're one of those guys. You got blue tape holding your car. Blue tape on my car door. And I feel like I'm almost like a Tesla representative when I'm out and about. And I thought people are going to walk up next to my car and they're like, what the hell have you got this tape on this beautiful car for? And so I was driving home Saturday after like a big string of shifts. And I thought, I'm uh, driving across Santa Monica Boulevard on the 405. Why don't I just get off? And so I get off. Saturday, three o'clock in the afternoon, and I just whip around, pull into the Tesla. There's like the original little Tesla store there on Santa Monica Boulevard. Drive up. There's like one Tesla in sight. There's usually this place is packed. Six, seven cars in this little tiny alley. It's just one car charging and me. So I get out and I go in. I said, Hey, you know, this thing came off. I show them the magnet on the door. And I said, Can I just get some of the double stick tape? And they come out and they, Oh no, we'll fix it for you. And I was like, Okay. It's just like a stick. Give me a sticker. I put it on. Boom. Gone. So they take the car. They do the sticker thing. They fill up my tires. They come out and they go, oh, we didn't realize you're uh, out of warranty. And I was like, oh, God, here it comes. $800. No, it's like a $200 deductible. Even if you get the extended warranty, it only covers like the drivetrain and the computer and the screen, the big stuff. So other stuff, it's a $200 deductible. I was like – For a freaking sticker? So then they looked at me and they said – we're just going to make this a courtesy. And they, they didn't even notice that there was a talking Tesla sticker on the car. It's a sticker, dude. They're going to make it a courtesy. <laughs> Give me a freaking break. You know what? This time we're not going to charge you $200 for a sticker you asked us to just give you. You know, usually when you get your car, when you get your car service to Tesla, they'll wash it. But I didn't say, well, do I get a wash? (laughs) (laughs) Did you vacuum it out? Oh, that's 280. I've got a story. Oh, good. You ready? That's what the show's all about, stories. So I go out to my car uh, in the S, uh, having a great time, driving down the freeway. Mm -hmm. And then there's this wind noise. I'm like, that's weird. And I realized that my driver's side window, <laughs> not that wind noise. <laughs> wow, I didn't even go there, right? Lord Windermere. Uh, <laughs> that's not an unusual noise. The biohazard filter is out in, not in, not out. out. Well, they should think about changing that. And so my window is open too far. It's like off the tracks and it's open too far and it's letting – it's a disaster. So I stop. And uh, I wind my window down, and there's this and my window basically comes completely off the rails. It goes all the way down to the bottom, and then I can't pull it up. So now I have to drive around with my window, my front driver's window, all the way to the bottom. This is messing up your hair, and and it's 102 degrees. It wasn't too bad, but this has happened before. This happened on the passenger side door where it just came off the rails and I had to go get it fixed. At this point, I've had to take my Tesla in a lot in the last uh, few months because of various issues with the wing doors and uh, stuff I think, like that. I think when Was this the X or the S? This was the S. Oh, my so God. So I called Tesla and I said, here's the story. My window is all effed up. And they said, we're so sorry. That's a real hassle. You can't drive around with your window down. We'll send out the truck. An hour later, the truck comes. The lovely man comes over and he fixes the window and he checks uh, the seatbelts and he refills the coolant in the air conditioner and 
He does all of this in about 15 minutes. It's fantastic. And he drives off. I get charged nothing. And I thought to myself, self, I went from, I do not want to drive this car down and stick it over and get it fixed in the service center. And I'm sick of the damn granola bars. I just want my car to work. And then an hour later, I'm like, Tesla is the greatest company in the world, <laughs> and they should sell for $1,000 per share. So his car's out of warranty. Is your car still in warranty? My car, I believe, is still, yeah, it's uh, two and a half years old. So, yes, it's, it's still Because I drive too much. Once you oh, hit 50,000 miles. 50,000 or four years. Okay. I'm yeah. just saying. So you didn't buy the extended warranty from Tesla? I did, but it doesn't cover everything. Little it covers the big stickers. stuff. doesn't cover little It's stickers. a powertrain extended warranty. Okay. Nice. And battery, I'm assuming. Well, right. the battery's 80 or infinite, eight years, infinite miles. Right. We're going to get back to that battery in a minute. But oh, hey, okay. I was just going to say, I don't know the economics of it. I'm sure it's much more expensive to have traveling people in trucks driving around fixing Teslas. But from a consumer point of view, oh my gosh, you come to me, you fix the car, you drive away rather than me driving to you. Oh, that's the bomb. Do you think they're going to have that with Model 3? <sighs> Everything is possible. At a price. Why, at a didn't, price. why didn't you do that, Robert? Why don't you call them for a little sticker and have them come to your house? Because it's a smaller carbon footprint for me to just stop off on oh, the freeway. Oh, snap. <laughs> he just called you out. Wow, because it's true. The little Tesla van car. is not an electric oh, van. No. So, but I have a question but, for you. But, well, you, you asked the question. No, well, because you live in Culver City-ish area yes. sort of situation. Do you think that that thing keeps failing on you because of your location like near the ocean like do you think there's something no, else actually, happening they've told me they told me that they have upgraded the type of stickum they've used a number of times so it's a known issue so it was a known issue in fact early on i had another problem which maybe tesla nation cares about is that i would go up and i could not get the door open for anything no they don't care that's how i learned about how to open the charge port using the clicker on your charge handle by moving it into the proper position on yeah which you made a video on which is on a talking tesla youtube channel go on yeah and so uh it still didn't work didn't work didn't work and i was like oh sorry i can't charge my car and so what i ended up doing i can't believe i did this is i took like a plastic kind of a wedgie device and i put it in there and i popped it open so I'm charging the car, close it up, go on. This was a hot summer. I try again. No, I keep having to repeatedly pry the thing open. So it turns out that the first generation door had a gasket, right? There's a little bump out gasket that kind of fills the hole where the, on the inside where the, where the plug is to keep it from getting water in there. That rubber thing used to be made out of a rubber that expanded in the heat and it would actually grip on so tight you couldn't get it open so they actually replaced it one time for me the whole unit so but i mean it was hassle free they gave me a car to drive and the exciting thing is that they're going to replace one of my seats cuz i've got this terrible squeak in my seat so it's happening in a couple of weeks and i've put in a request for a 100 a P100D ludicrous as a loner car and i said hey you know it'd be great i could <laughs> talk about it chance? on the show and what's the chance it's not gonna happen. well you're bringing up something and i'm bringing up something that other people have brought up and it is a concern it's and that thing is, that's been brought up is what you're saying it's been brought up and up build quality Re-up. so toyota a number of weeks ago one of the executives from toyota was saying that the quality of the build of the tesla is about what a toyota was in 1970 um 
and that is lots of little issues. Nothing, you know. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't quite wor- work right. You you've got this sort of issues that Rob's talking about. The sort of issues I'm talking about. And Elon a year ago was saying we've fixed that. We had some build quality issue early, and we've fixed that. In the X, we've seen the same kind of thing with the Epping Falcon Wing doors and some other stuff. The reason this is important is because for the Model Three, you can't come out with a mass model car. 500,000, 1 million in the first few years, where you have lots of these little dinky issues. Like, my window's not working today. My charge port is getting stuck because you will completely overwhelm their ability to fix these things. So the build quality day one coming off the uh, line for the Model 3 better be spectacular or it's going to take you forever to get stuff fixed. Well, also because there, you know, people that have s's and x's typically that's not their only car that they have so they have the ability to bring their car in and also they have the ability to get a loaner from tesla which might not be as easy so yes i totally agree with you that is going to be probably quality is job one as they say in another car company not at tesla <laughs> it but is a big deal it's important yeah it's going to be very very important and I, and I think that you know we like first Early adopters, people like that, are just they they know that they're going to run into some little things. And again, all of these things have been relatively minor. You haven't had you know your batteries melt on you, or your you know had to have your charger. I'm not a Galaxy Seven. All that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, right. I when I got the X, I was saying to uh, friends and family, it's really stupid to buy a car that this complicated. One of the first ones off the line. It's going to have issues. You should not do this. But I'm going to do it because. I don't care. I got another car, and if it breaks, I'll just drive my other car. But you're right. Model three owners—they're not going to want to put up with this. They're not early adopters. They're not. They're like this car just needs to be a car. And there's going to be a lot of people who this is their car, right. their only car. That like there's people out there that this car is going to make the decision. And we talked about this in the past. Is this going to be able to be my only car? If uh, you're out there and you're sort of waiting for model three. I honestly, if this is going to be your car and that's all you're going to have, this car, I strongly suggest, you're not going to want to hear this, that you do not get the first uh, one on the off the line. You need to wait six months or a year, just like an Apple product. Do not get a brand new laptop because they work this stuff out over time. When there's 100,000 cars out there, they realize the gluey, sticky bit for the thing we put on the Model 3 is bad. We need to replace it. But you can't do that, because once your number comes up, your number comes up, right? If you're in the reservation line and your number comes up, you got to buy. I do. No, you don't have to buy. You can just wait. You can't. Yeah, you can. I've got no, an X. I think X. you lose your spot. I've got a number still in another X that I'm not checking in. It, I don't know and exactly. you haven't lost your spot? Yeah, I don't know exactly how it's going to work. I don't know if anybody knows how it's going to work. But you've got your spot, and then they send you the email and say, okay, now it's time to build it. But if you don't, it's not like they say, well, you're dead to us. Here's your money back. They keep your money, and they say, hold get on. back to us. Hold on a second. There was – hold on. He, he's he got another X reservation? So right now, Tesla's got $5,000 of your X money yes. and $2,000 of your three money. Yes, what the? Why do you not get your five grand back? You are not buying a second X. And under what scenario are you Whoa. buying a second X? So uh, I've been waiting, playing with the X. Do I want an X? Do I want an S? And I guess only in the last few weeks I've realized I really am not getting this X. So I have to go cash in the money. I haven't been speeding to do it because I'm like, it's not like I'm going to put it in the bank and get zero percent. Tesla kind of needs the money. Well, stocks but down I will, to two hundred. I will get my money back soon because i really don't think i'm getting it's cool to get a tesla check in the mail by the way when you get that <laughs> oh, money oh yeah, back. I should take a picture that's of it. fun 
Well, the other thing I was thinking, well, what about upgrading the S waiting for Model 3? The only reason I would upgrade my S right now, it doesn't have auto tax steer pilot uh, regenerative uh, driving. <laughs> it's like drive electric week all over again. <laughs> the only reason I would upgrade right now, because part of me was thinking, boy, it'd be nice to you know get a little extra something, something. But I don't want to do it until I've got new auto steer hardware. If that I, comes out tomorrow and they come out with a P165. P, no, not a P. I don't even need the P. A 100 kilowatt hour S with 2.0 hardware for autopilot, I would probably take my current S, trade it in, and get a new one. So is that not a thing? That's not a yet. thing. Not yet. What he What's says, 2.0 hardware, 2.0 software. You don't know. Some of that hardware could be coming off the lot right now. As and soon as it's confirmed, I probably would do that. And that brings up a point about that I didn't mention earlier. But did you know they got rid of the 60 kilowatt hour X about in two the minutes ago? Studio? Yeah. What's up with that? For the X or the S? Just the X. The just S the- is still available. So for the X, I guess they were just probably thinking they're building only 70 kilowatt batteries anyway. That car's 75 kilowatt hour batteries anyways. That car's already their sort of premier car. Right. And maybe they weren't getting enough people buying the 60 and not doing the upgrade. So they were maybe they, it just wasn't worth it, but it's gone. So you can go... And buy an S60 that has the 75 kilowatt hour battery in it, but you can't buy that same version of the X anymore. It's gone. Yeah, they don't and, tell you why they do these things. I wonder if it's just because they didn't sell that many. And, you know, they've also discontinued my color, plain, flat, simple, white. That's, what kind of BS is so that? So it's only metallic now? Uh, well, that's what we think. We're all kind of speculating, but they said they're going to stop the, like, uh, not gunmetal gray, but that special kind of gray that I've never actually seen. And maybe that's why. Again, do they do this, the not, you know, they're changing colors. You can't get this color. There's a new color. Do they do it for marketing like new and something great all the time? Like Disney doesn't release its DVDs for years at a time. Maybe the white has more VOCs and they're not going to be able to use that in their new paint shop with their new whatever stuff. I guess it's to streamline production. They they look at it like, okay, we're selling 1% in this, not... It's not enough to continue on. You can have white, black, and red. That's it. Well, but there's probably they're probably sitting there like no one is going to make the decision to buy a Tesla based on the fact that they're like I only want flat white. I don't want this metallic white. Like if you want white, you're just going to get whatever white is available. Well, let's move on and talk about Porsche and Tesla. I thought the show's over already. What are you talking about? It's been an hour and it's twenty minutes. uh, I've just (laughs) given up on the length of the show. This show is going to be as long as it is. Tesla and Porsche, are they pals now? This is another story from Tesla Rider that says that Porsche is um, moving fast on creating EVs in the next few years. Let's, uh, you know, it's a caveat. By 2050. But they say, and this is very interesting, that they are actually going to build a fast charge network. And then they say that they're going to have a 150 kilowatt source of power to charge these new Porsches, which means that they will be able to charge about 250 miles in 15 minutes. Remember that Tesla right now has a 120-kilowatt source for its supercharging, maybe as high as 135, although we're not sure they're actually utilizing that 135. So this would be significantly faster. And uh, they say you'll be able to get an adapter, clip it on the end of this Porsche supercharger thing, and shove it into your Tesla. And the question is... Will it go the other way? Will Tesla allow Porsches with an adapter to use their network? Discuss. It's all about the money, baby. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the real question, right? And and uh, the other question, so they would have to, for Porsche, for instance, right, because the superchargers don't currently have, like, credit card things on them to get them going. Like, there's no way. No, there's this thing called 3G. There's no way for the Tesla, you know, right now to sort of lock the the chargers themselves out. That'd be a big retrofit would be my guess for them to sort of add that. So it would have to be an API within the Porsche to allow that charger to come in. Well, or do you think it's a, or, has... or do you think if you build an adapter, right? If somebody went a third party person just built a Tesla adapter for a Porsche or a Chatham or whatever it is and plugged it in, can they stop? Will the juice not go through because the car ha- the it communicates with the electricity right. a little bit, right? There has to be a back and forth. There has to be a handshake between the two. Right. So they'd have to build that API into the Porsche and so Tesla would have to allow that and that would be a my guess is a charge, but the real question is how does that make you feel if they allowed that to happen? It makes me feel spectacularly good or bad, depending on the circumstance. <laughs> if Porsche drops bank and puts fast DC charging all over the place and really builds out the network, Mel feels good. If Porsche puts out two and says, uh, and then there's a deal with Tesla saying, and all the Porsches can use Tesla superchargers, makes me feel bad. Maybe. So it depends on how big the supercharger network. Let me quote directly from uh, Oliver Bloom who says this, We are in contact with other manufacturers and suppliers around the world to build a fast charging network. Everybody has the same need. It sounds easy, but getting the details agreed on is hard. We already have a clear technical concept. It can even work with Teslas with an adapter. So we will see. We've criticized GM for not putting any cash into a fast-charge network. I'm excited about the possibility. We'll see. Of course, no details yeah. about how many, how much, nothing nothing real concrete yet, but stay tuned to the show. My guess is we'll chat about it if that info comes available. We'll chat about it. Oh! <laughs> oh! Fast, easy, charging humor. Don't say it's so it. Good. Uh-huh. S-A-E. Say, don't say it. Uh-huh. Robert. Oh, See, it was Fremont, so funny there for a minute, and then Robert. Fremont Master Plan. <laughs> this is from, wait for it. Electric! <laughs> electric. They say that uh, they are going to double the size of the Fremont plant. That's twice as big. That is 2X. That's a million more cars? They are going to have... Uh, and then they can 10X it to make it 100 million? million? Oh, my no, gosh. 10 million? So they're going to double the size of the plant. They're going to have housing uh, for about 9,000 people. There's a new BART station going across the street. This uh, new facility says, you know, they're going to be able to make a million cars by 2020. But what you're talking about is Elon saying right now the speed of the line is a really slow grandma walk. That's how fast things come off the line. He says they should be able to get it up to a really fast walk, maybe a slow jog, by alien dreadnoughting it. And that's when you get to your 100 million cars Per year. Shabam. That's not happening in, in Fremont because eventually they're going to move it to Nevada, right? They're going to do what they talked about, which is adding a line right to the battery factory. It makes the most sense Baja. to not have to ship those. Baja. Well, we'll see. Uh, it's interesting. So they're basically doubling the size. Uh, they're serious, but that's going to cost a lot of money, isn't it? Well, he just tweeted about a two hours ago that neither Solar City nor Tesla is going to need money in the last quarter. Right. Which is a direct response to that Bloomberg report that tanked on the on the stock. So it's a good time to buy the stock, everybody. And that Bloomberg report was basically that Tesla sent in paperwork 
to uh, whoever does this paperwork saying they want the option of being able to sell more stock to get more capital. And then Elon has said, we may have sent the paperwork in, but we don't need the cash. It's all good because we sold so many Teslas in the last quarter. Faraday Future, this is from a motor authority, and it says this. Faraday Future, you know, this is a sort of a California company, which is Chinese-backed. Dude, and part- you're making cars, bro. Not everybody in California talks like that. Oh, nor China. Sorry, bro. <laughs> it's a partnership with LG for the batteries, and they claim that they already have the most energy-dense battery ever created, and what's coming is the graphene-based battery, which everybody talks about, which is this one-atom-thick carbon slices, which are 20% lighter than carbon fiber and 200 times stronger than steel. They say that they're going to get 400 miles plus in these batteries, and I say, we'll see. <sighs> It's got 400 miles. It's super thin. It's made of grass. It's like this <laughs> vapor. But I put an article in here. It'll be in the show notes about uh, graphene set to make a late charge for electric vehicle battery. So this is sort of the thing that is going to be the lithium competitor. And competition is good. We like competition. You, you did. Betcha. Did you not have an interview very early on in this situation uh the talking tesla thing where you talk to a battery expert and he brought up graphene i know we yes. we've spoken about graphene we've in the spoken past. about graphene many times it is potentially if they can get it to work on a commercial scale energy density which is two to five times as much if they pull this off the uh gigafactory will have to be retooled because this will be the way to go. But all of this is very theoretical. It's interesting. Yeah, I did it in the lab. But it's very different to get it to uh, commercial um, production for tens of thousands, millions of cars and have the cost that, that's good. But in the lab, graphene is pretty spectacular. Yeah. And it's got a cool name. Exactly. It's, it's like the – I think actually that's the color that they discontinued of the paint. It was graphene. graphene. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why they're like uh, we're very heavily invested in lithium over here. It's, uh, wouldn't it be cool if the paint was actually where the battery was? Ooh. The graphene paint. Hey, I've got an interview. You want to hear an interview? I yeah, an interview. I'd love to. Who's an interview with? It's called uh, Test Loop. And, uh, Test we- what? Test Loop. Test Loop. Sloop. Sloop. Test Loop. Test Loop. They're looping between Los Angeles and Las Vegas and Los Angeles and the springs that is uh, full of the palms. And we talked to these uh, people about a year ago, and we talked to them mostly because there was a 16-year-old kid called Hayden. He's like a baby. He was a baby. He's now a large man. And he wanted to get a Tesla because he'd just gotten his license. And he (laughs) talked to his dad and said, look, if I get a Tesla, I could sort of use it as a taxi thing. I could sort of do a little Uber thing. And they came up with this idea, and they started it. And it's a year ago. Where are we today? One year later. 300%. Well, since we were planning to launch Las Vegas and have our one Model S running between LA and Vegas, we've come a long way. Recently, we expanded into LA to Palm Springs routes, which we've really found to be our highlighted route for an array of different reasons. But we've just been seeing a lot of rapid expansion within Loop, especially on the Palm Springs route, which is a month-over-month growth rate of almost 125%. So there's just a really big crowd of people who are super interested in using Test Loop to travel between the two cities because the other options for transportation between LA and Palm Springs are just scarce and not that great. We now have our original Model S, which just reached over 215,000 miles, solely almost on the LA to Vegas route. And then we also expanded to two more Model Xs, which we have on our Palm Springs route. So I have to stop them right there. 
They have a Model S that's done 215,000 miles. That's miles with an M. It may be the highest mileage Model S in the world. The big question everybody has, what's the battery degradation after 215,000 miles of driving? What we noticed is that after about 200,000 miles... That's Raul. Hayden's dead. We had about 6% battery degradation. But I think in our case... I think it's worse than an average person would have had because we were charging it 100% pretty much every single day. So, you know, that's not the recommended way to keep your battery lasting as long as it will. So it's surprising that even with doing that, there was still only about um, 6% degradation. And in addition to that, he goes on to explain how most of it was also done with a supercharger network with rapid charging. So you've got charging to 100% and charging with a supercharger all the time. And despite that, only a 6% degradation after 200 plus thousand miles of driving, which is good news for the longevity of these batteries. But now they're expanding. Now they're getting two Model Xs. And I asked them, why do you now have two Model Xs? Why didn't you go with more Ss since they've worked out so very well? Well, almost in all aspects, equal or better than the Model S. So there would be no real highlights as to using the Model X or Model S over the Model X because you get extra space with the Model X and you get little extra upgrades like the biofilter hazard that you know can come useful when there's really bad outside smells. You get the extra seat, which allows us to put another customer in the car with the same cost per mile as the Model S. So that can help cancel out with other costs that we have for running the cars. And then the Goldwing doors look really cool when people come out of them. So who's driving these cars? Uh, What's the process by which you choose a test loop driver? Yeah, I think we've kind of more or less flipped that model where we have drivers and they're able to, you know, make money by driving. And, And it's pretty extensive screening, like compared to Uber Yeah, we do all the background checks like them, but we also do interviews. We get in the car with them. We watch them drive. We evaluate them drive. So it's a it's a pretty rigorous training process, and they have to understand you know everything about the Teslas, which are obviously a little bit different than other cars. And then once they're certified to drive, they can then you know if they want to go one way on a trip, they can take the driver's seat and drive one way. And in that case you know, they don't pay anything. So kind of confident that over the next two and a half years that these cars are going to be incredibly easy to drive with, you know, the um, forthcoming autopilot enhancements. And at that time, we think almost anybody will be able to get behind the wheel and drive them. So the discussion went further and it turns out there's sort of two groups of people that will drive for Tesla Loop or who are driving for them. People who would otherwise be doing something like Uber, but uh, they can drive a Tesla, which is really fun and nice, and they don't have to upkeep it. It's upkept by the company. And so although they don't make the same amount of cash per se per hour, their costs are a lot less. There's also people maybe who frequently do uh, the sort of drive between LA and Vegas, for example, who would become drivers, who would then get to drive a really nice car, a Tesla, between Vegas and LA, and they're certified, and they throw some other people in the car, and they themselves, because they're driving, get to do that trip for free. So the model works out a number of different ways. So I specifically ask, are you Uber's competition? Are you going to take over? Are you going to be Tesla Uber? Well, I mean, there's already... Uber for Teslas, there's already Tesla taxis. So 
I wouldn't say that we are focused on that. We're really focused on how do you make the 50 to 300 mile experience as amazing as it can be. And that, you know, because you have people for a longer time, um, because you have to route differently, like what we're optimizing against is very different than what somebody who is doing like, you know, within the city type transportation would be doing. But I mean, I think the interesting thing is what we're building is actually the software that you would use for driverless cars. But we don't think that that will happen, you know, until at least four or five, six years, depending on the state and country. So, you know, we're building the software for, you know, autonomous cars, which to us, autonomous is like a technical uh, definition, meaning it can drive itself better than you, whereas driverless is more like regulatory, meaning, you know, you don't need a driver in the car. But we think for a long time you'll need a driver who's licensed, who can take over behind the wheel. But in two years, for 99 plus percent of the scenarios, that driver won't need to do any driving. So the process to get a ride is pretty easy. You go on the website and you choose a pickup location, you choose a drop-off location, and you pay your money. It's something about 60 bucks to go from LA to Vegas, which is about you know 300 miles. So where are these pickup and drop-off locations going to be in the future? Where are they now? Yeah, so, so if we had a charger in Woodland Hills, like a supercharger, that would, be, that would become a terminal. So we're really kind of our routing is dependent upon the kind of uh, distribution of superchargers. So whenever we start a route, it's based on the supercharging infrastructure. So who's using this service? Is it simply people that are afraid to drive, or is there some other good reason for me to take a Tesla to Vegas than drive to Vegas or to take an airplane to Vegas? Well, I think there's a couple factors that make you more inclined for Tesla. Like the less you like planes, obviously, you know, this is the next clear alternative, you know, for Las Vegas right now. But then the, the farther east you are, like, so if you're east of downtown, like by the time you're in Pomona, we're actually beating the plane on time because, you know, you don't have to come all the way back to LAX. And then, you know, if you want to stay really productive, if you don't want to lose, you know, two hours of your three-hour plane flight, you know, not being able to do email or not being able to sleep, then Test Luke becomes a better choice because when you're in the cars you know, there's Wi-Fi all the way, you can just, you know, we've got pillows, you can sleep. So you've kind of got this Uber from your house, grab your bag, put it in the test loop vehicle, and then you're kind of set to go until you get to your hotel. So the overall experience, even though sometimes it's longer, well, specifically to Las Vegas, it's much more pleasant, it's much more civilized, it's you know, you've got food and drink and you're not waiting in line. You're not, you know, you can just kind of relax or get things done. And then for Palm Springs, there's really not a lot of air service and it tends to be very expensive. You know, for Palm Springs, we're seeing everybody starting to take it, you know, in terms of the types of people, you know, both visitors going there and residents looking for a way to get out of there without driving themselves. Obviously, this discussion is very California, Nevada centric, but I can see situations throughout the world where this would be a business model that could work. For example, Sydney to Canberra. What are we talking here? Three hours drive. You don't want to get a plane. You want to be driven. You get some Wi-Fi. You have a couple of drinks. It sounds good to me. Better than a flight. Thank you very much. 
So how much crap can I take in the car with me? Can I take like three golf bags and three big suitcases? There's got to be some restriction. How's that going to work now and in the future? So so currently we have restrictions that it's a little bit bigger than the carry-on on an airplane. However, if you have more baggage, we just ask you to call us and then we check that vehicle and make sure that we're not oversubscribed on, you know, people and luggage. But we are ordering all these Model Xs with a tow package. So in the near future, um, we will have optional trailers that we can take on any given trip. And at that, you will be able to bring effectively an unlimited amount of luggage. Still haven't worked out the pricing, but I think our plan is not to kind of gouge you on luggage like an airline would. So we think, you know, the Model Xs with the tow packages and a small, light trailer, really uh, well suited for, you know, airport pickups, shopping trips to Cabazon, you know, cruise line drop-offs, golf trips, ski trips, anything like that. All right, gentlemen, final thoughts. Where is this headed? It's one thing we've learned over the last year, and I think it's quite interesting. Like, our feeling is that when you look at Tesla's like some people kind of feel, oh, that's an expensive car, like, and that's you know their their view of it. But when we look at it, we actually say, hey, this is an expensive car. But if you drive this car a lot, it's actually the cheapest way to move kind of anything that's ever been invented, kind of at this scale. I mean, maybe it's cheaper on a big you know coal railroad truck or something. But if you're talking about moving a few people. This is by far the cheapest when you consider the cost of fuel, when you consider the cost of the car over the lifetime of the car. And we think that's really interesting. And it's a lot less expensive than a gas car, maybe four or five times less. And then as you go into autonomous cars over the next two years and into driverless cars over the next five or six years, you know, that cost continues to decline. So what we really see going on is kind of you're getting for the first time ever the digitalization of, of transportation. And I think we saw that like on, on the Internet, like over the last 20 years, where it used to be that storage online was incredibly expensive. But then, like, you know, storage just kept getting cheaper and cheaper. It was electronic. It had a cost curve coming down. And now storage for consumers is effectively free. Like you can get, you know, gigs online, you know, no cost. And we think transportation is kind of headed in this direction where moving people in Teslas is going to, you know, become 10% cheaper year over year, kind of indefinitely. The, the costs are going to trend down. And the actual physical cost of moving people kind of except for the tires, um, you know, is also going to continue to trend down. So... We think this is a pretty, like the tip of a, you know, incredible transformation, which is the digitization of transport. Well, thanks to Hayden and Raul, and go check out Test Loop if you're uh, in the Palm Springs area, the LA area, you want to do one of these trips. I think uh, it's something to really consider. I'm going to Vegas next week, but I'm going to take the X because I really want to use auto driving, auto steering, autopilot, whatever we are allowed to call it in a few weeks. I really want to try it out. Otherwise, I would be calling these gentlemen and saying, drive me, for I would like to sleep and use your internet. So what do you think about the new test loop, dare I say, 
2.0 or 3.0 because they got three Ks. Good for them. They got a couple of Xs, got the S still going back and forth. They got the drivers. Uh, they're driving a crap ton, shit ton of a mileage. Ton. A metric ton? There's a American lot of miles ton. being driven. So that yeah. was the best part of this interview. It was all good. We're excited about them. We're going to see where they go with this. But to me, the most interesting thing for the general Tesla community was that they have a car that's done 215,000 miles, which I really think is the most that's ever been driven. Only a 6% degradation after 215 plus thousand miles and amazing the the interesting thing about that six percent degradation right it's almost exclusively supercharging right so it's almost exclusively fast charging which we know is not the best way to charge a battery and it's to a hundred percent and yeah to a hundred percent daily right because they're driving back and forth every day so they are pushing this battery to the very limits of the battery after two hundred thousand miles six percent degradation that's a badass battery my friends if that uh, holds for the rest of the, the Tesla batteries, that is pretty good news. Because uh, 200,000 miles in a car, most cars after 200,000 miles, internal combustion engines, starting a little bit like duty. I would be curious as to see like what that internal wear and tear is on the car. Obviously, that's factored in, hopefully, to some of their pricing. They can replace the seats, like as uh, Robert has just spoken about, replacing his seats. And I wonder if that sort of part of the plan that they've come up with you know like because if you think about airliners right they do they'll occasionally just switch out all the seats that's not the life of the plane is not the life of the seats or the life of the carpet so i'm sure there's some additional wear and tear issues but it's pretty exciting the palm springs one i mean vegas it's pretty relatively easy to get to vegas from a lot of small airports around here however palm springs very different situation and that has become their most popular route so I just did a quick little calculation. Of course you there, did. There's math. math. Yeah, there's, there's a math. lot of sixes on there. So if they go 200,000 miles and have only had a 6% deg- degradation, okay. we've already talked about this on the show. It's considered uh, the battery is good until it's reached 80% of its capacity. Okay. So this means that you can drive 666,667 miles. Before you get to 80%, 80% of original rated battery. That's correct. Imagine a car that's driven 666,000 miles. That internal combustion engine would have been replaced two or three times. Unless it was a Volvo. This will be my last car. This will be my last. Vol- oh, yeah, it's true. Mercedes gives like a special badge for the million I had a cars. Two, I had a 200,000 mile badge uh, for one of my Volvos. Yeah. So 670,000. Yeah, yeah. It's competitive, you know. Uh, it's uh, it's interesting. All right, let's go on and talk about I wonder uh, if you'll ever have to replace the brakes cuz they haven't replaced their brakes yet. 215,000 miles. Because really? of regenerative braking. Yeah. They don't really my brakes have brake are like pads. Fantastic really 72,000 in there. There's brake braking works. There's brake oh, there's full on brake pads, yeah. But it's, is it because engine braking. It's it because you're regenerative braking, yes. you don't use them very much. Yes. That's why they don't wear it. The out. engine is actually like sort of Spinning causing the engine. No, it's just well, whatever it is, the, the motor. motors, the motors yeah. are sort of backing yes. the car. I yes. want to talk more about batteries because I'm really into batteries right now. And so let's talk about the Powerwall. And you know where this story comes from? No, oh, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so immature, and yet I still love to do it. So Power Pack 2.0 has hey, been. If anybody's discussed. sitting with their bingo cards, they gotta have. They've got to have it. So Power Pack 2.0 is using this new cell technology, which is the 2170 battery, which is bigger than the old 18650. And this is Power Pack 2.0 is the industrial version. It's got like a bunch of little power wall innards inside. Power wall innards innards inside. So Power Pack 1.0 had about 95 kilowatt hours of storage. This one, 2.0, has 200 
200 kilowatt hours of storage. Whoa. They're using their own inverter, which Elon says is way more efficient than anybody else's inverter. It's the best inverter. Uh, everybody else's inverter is stupid. Um, they've also seen a <laughs> wow. price drop. And they're going to announce more of this at the October 28th event, which we're going to have to do a live show on. But what's amazing about this electric article is that they said that they've got this 200 kilowatts hour battery into the same basic form and size as PowerPack 1.0, suggesting possibly as much as a twice the density, at least in terms of once they've all shoved it in there and they've done their inverters, it may actually be twice the density of the battery part. But that's amazing. It is amazing. I mean, I wouldn't. I think. I think. I see the sense of excitement and you thinking that's going to like translate Ooh. over to the automobiles a little bit. Yeah. But the power wall it was built a little bit different with some space in between those modules. They're like sort of rack mounted modules, and you can pull them out individually. There was a little bit of space, and as Robert has talked about earlier, after he went to the Gigafactory. The battery's only a tiny bit bigger profile, so they were just able to get that new cell into the same space. I don't think that's going to translate over to the cars. As we reported on uh, last week or the week before, Elon thinks like this is the 100-kilowatt-hour battery is kind of the max. Right, but it, how about Model 3? So can they bump up? that estimated range on model three i think that's still going to be a little bit of a surprise like yeah. I, I feel like they're going to drop yeah. like they're they saw the bolt and they're like all right 238 that's cute Me, so adorable. there's a lot of speculation about this october 28th a 28th event well yeah. we've got two events to talk about so october 28th is the solar city solar roof integrate with your battery pack at home event which is very exciting that is exciting we have got an invitation we did not If we did not get an invitation, and we have not, let's do a live event from studio with uh, Saki. Saki. But not only that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, but he just tweeted out there's going to be an October 17th announcement about a brand new, wonderful, amazing product that most people don't expect. So what is that product? Did you hear about this? It just happened a few hours ago. Pickup truck. No, I didn't hear that. So people are saying this could be... Um, Model 3, he said, you know, we're going to do a second Model 3 announcement. So maybe he's going to say, and yes, here's all the new things that we're going to tell you about Model 3, and it's fully autonomous. So some people have said that. So don't cancel your orders. Some people have said it's just going to be as simple as uh, they're going to say Model S and X are going to have a 100-kilowatt battery without the real expensive P ludicrous thing, so just a bump up in uh, charge. And other people said we have no idea what he is talking about. And a number of people said maybe they're coming out with an electric bicycle. I don't think that's likely. So next Monday, and another I heard, announcement. I heard there, and I don't believe this, but I heard people saying, "What? Oh, it's going to be the new Roadster, the new Roadster." Yeah, some people said it could be Roadster 2.0, which could have four or five hundred miles of range in that small four-factor and supercharged. Nobody knows. Wow, that would be so amazing. But it would be that's a late. the problem with that is that I would end up buying a new Roadster. No, you wouldn't. Oh. It's too small. It's cute and everything, but yeah, it's too small. Why don't you buy an old Roadster and put a new battery in it? Because you can't supercharge it. So? Same reason I wouldn't buy a Bolt. What do you need to have supercharging on the Roadster for? So I can go blast myself all the way to Montana. Yeah, so, but you take the ass if you're going long distances, I think. Like, you're not yeah. going to drive the Roadster, like, long, long distances. I'm glad you're talking about the superchargers because Robert put in here an, a little note, a little article a little situation, little situation that gives me 
retrosternal chest pain radiating down both the left and right arm and into the jaw and a 50-year-old male with sweatiness and SD7 elevation. Now, that's a doctor thing, but that's called a heart attack and it's bad. Yeah, you could have just gone the simple route to begin with, but you got to get all doctor on it. So, so what happened here was somebody from the Facebook group posted that they had to they got to the Oxnard Superchargers on October 9th at 3:25 p.m. and what happened when they got there? Absolutely nothing for them cuz they were sixth in line waiting for a spot in the 10 full stalls at the Supercharger. James is the uh one of the founders of the Ventura Tesla Club and uh he gives a lot of good information in Ventura he arranged like this national drive electric week day month thing and so he's a good man he's been uh pushing forward all kinds of good stuff about tesla there in the ventura county and he comes upon the supercharger and it is the most full of the most full days that he has ever seen of fullness i wonder why i mean i know today's a holiday for some but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that everybody was like columbus day weekend we're hitting the road like what is the situation We've had uh, we had a letter from somebody recently said the same thing. They went to the Oxnard Supercharger. It was a non-Tesla owner, yet it was a Model Three owner, and he just wanted to go check out with the Supercharger. And he said there was completely full and two people waiting. I'm like, can I just say it one more time? How does this make you feel? It gives me retrodermal chest pain, <laughs> elevation, radiation. It makes me anxious because I see no plans. I hear no discussion about the fact that when 500,000 to a million Model 3s come out, they have to increase the supercharger network a factor of fivefold. And I want to hear on the October 17th event, maybe that's what it is. Oh, we're going to quadruple the size of the supercharger network. Yeah. Maybe they're going to add a charger with the car. Maybe he's going to say we can now do 10-minute charging to 80%. Maybe they'll say you can just plug your cell phone into your car and instantly charge it up. Maybe they'll say the goal Falcon wing doors will actually make it fly. (laughs) Maybe they're going to say, this is from Elon from an hour ago, that Germany just voted to get rid of internal combustion engines by 2030. Woo! Thank you. That's not very long from Daimler is screwed they better get their shit together that is not very 2030 used to seem like a science fiction movie way way in the future we're talking like uh 14 years 14 years 13 years that's no time in the future yeah that's, that's awesome crazy let's do let us awesome. because and they you know build what? all the cars practically of europe they build a lot of cars maybe they'll make us. a maybe they'll make a deal They'll say, if you buy the car for here, it has to be electric. But we can sell the crap out of non-electric cars to Italy and France and England. And the States. Great Britain. And the States, right? I mean, again, like we're we're not going to do that. No, we're going to go back to making cars that run on coal. Clean coal. Clean coal. Don't get me started. I yelled at – there was the presidential debate last night, and a certain Mr. Trump was talking about uh, clean coal, which does not exist Please. Fallacy it is bogus. Fallacy. Uh, Clean coal does not exist. All right, letters. Let's do it. Let's do this. Andreas Amadolt. Amadolt. Amont. Amont. It's pretty straightforward, I think. Andreas Amont. He says, when you guys talk about Uber, which you often do, Robert seems to mention uh, that Uber should give us the opportunity to drive EV on demand. Robert. Well, Robert, I've got some news for you. You can get an EV Uber today if you want. The bad news is... You have to go to Oslo. How's that bad news? It. There's no way going to Norway no way. is bad news. No I, way. I have a vote right here. I yeah. say with all the cash that we're getting from Patreon, we all go, the three of us, to Norway 
and make two talking Tesla uh, videos and podcasts uh, there in Norway. I haven't gotten my car yet. <laughs> <laughs> With all the uh, money we're getting, <laughs> <laughs> which Patreon, I think we're up to $150 a month. Uh, he said there's a good reason that uh, this makes sense because it's so much cheaper to run these cars. We heard this from the test loop guys. Um, it's it's kind of a cool thing. I'd like to see more of it. And he even shows a screen capture of uh, the mobile find, which is Uber with a little E. But the reason it's cheaper is is listed right here. Gas seven dollars a u seven U.S. dollars a gallon due to heavy taxes on gas and electricity is cheap. And I think Norway. You know, and people hate it when I say oil. this. I think Norway has a lot of thermoelectrical yes, energy yeah. that they produce. And so He says, by the way, I really enjoy the weekly podcast. It makes my daily commute seem only five minutes long, although having access to bus and taxi lines may also have something to do with it. And he sent a little screenshot of of Norway with the little Uber EV and the, the icon, like Uber black icon, the little circle thing, has a little electrical plug. So that's pretty cool. Andreas, I'm really curious to know – how much it costs you per kilowatt when you uh, plug in your Tesla? Yeah, that's uh, how much is electricity there per kilowatt hour? Mine's 14 cents. Paul Burton is an Australian, mate, and he says Australia's first self driving car hits the road, mate. Bosch modifies a Tesla Model S to produce the first locally engineered autonomous vehicle. Now, that's an Australian trying to do an Australian accent. The word is Bosch. No, it's Bosch, mate, in Australia. Bosch. Bosch, mate. Model S, uh, fully autonomous. They're doing some testing there. I think it's all very exciting. Let's keep this thing moving. And they're they're doing it with Tesla. And they've added four LIDARs or radars around the car. This car, plus the story we did a couple weeks ago with the little puck radar LIDAR on the roof front and back, all of this speaks to like Tesla feeling out the world with different versions of autonomous equipment, and I believe there will be still more to come. Let me ask you this question. This brought up a a very interesting sort of thought. It popped into my head when I read this, when this letter. So a bunch of car companies, and we talked about it a little while ago, Chevy, GM, Ford, Volvo, Tesla, obviously, are working on autonomous vehicles, right? Yes. Do you think that this particular thing this autonomous driving thing will cause a quicker turnover in the car fleet like more and more people are going to want to have these autonomous cars quicker so instead of that 25 years we talked about all cars being turned over maybe that gets compressed even if it gets compressed to 20 years that's a big deal if it gets compressed even more to 15 years that's a big deal if so i want most of these cars to be electric but that doesn't seem they're not they're not going together, unfortunately. But I, it just it was interesting that 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 popped into my head that question. It I was will wondering. in Germany, will be in Germany, and and maybe things like that are the things that kind of push a little bit because Germany we're not talking about just Mercedes when we're talking about Germany. We're talking about Porsche. We're talking about Volkswagen, which is a ginormous car company who got in trouble recently and right. should be making electric cars hey here's another letter it's from marlo swedinski <laughs> swedinski like now marlo's uh, emailed us before but this is a really good one and it says <laughs> my daughter asked this question if somebody steals your tesla does it make it an edison <laughs> <laughs> and that's funny. Uh, that it's is. super funny. And I put a little uh, link for Marlo's daughter in here to look at geekhistory.com where it talks in detail about the sort of mythology behind the Nikola 
Tesla versus Thomas Edison thing, and they had the war on current. So one of them wanted the AC current, Nikolai Tesla. One of them wanted the DC current, Thomas Edison. And they sort of battled back and forth for current supremacy back in the day. So it's, a, it's an interesting question. Very funny. Very smart. Very smart young lady. And it was very ugly. This was like yeah, like slinging. This kind of reminds me of uh, the presidential uh, campaigns. Mm, no, it's not quite that ugly. James oh. Curry says, thank you. I wanted to send a quick email to thank you. I've always had uh, – I don't always have time to listen to podcasts, but I've never been – never – Underline. Never been disappointed by listening to Talking Tesla episode. It's you haven't listened act, to them all. It's not actually underlined. It's not underlined at all. <laughs> the podcast makes uh, a lot of information in the EV world, renewable energy, SpaceX accessible, which I really appreciate. Thank you, Model X owner. John Davis says your snail mail address, please. John Davis wants to send us something. Somebody jumped in and gave him their address. Which one of it was he? Wasn't me. Wasn't me. Must have been Cece. Yeah. So Cece's going to get the Oh, that's what it says merch. right here. Cece. Hey, uh, John, we can't wait to send see what you've sent us. It's probably a cease and desist. Open that. Man. Open. <laughs> I mean, don't take this the wrong way, this John. This is a but, subpoena. But, Cece, if you're listening to this, uh, maybe open the envelope outside. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know what people are sending us. I'm not sure if we should do the next letter because people are going to get upset. But John Ford <sighs> says, guys, love the show except for the anthropomorphic global warming no, drivel. No, he called it AGW. I looked that shit up. <laughs> Because I'm like, what is AGW? Isn't that that something about the gauge of wires, American gauge wire? No, it means anthropogenic global warming. So human – what he's saying there, he's saying human-caused global warming drivel were his exact words. So we've had actually a couple of letters on this. There's a few people who listen to the show who say, look, I'm interested in EVs, but all this stuff about, you know – that humans are warming the globe is all crap. And uh, Tom, you should you know not be so nasty and don't be so freaked out because it's not happening. So Tom is going to explode and go off here. I feel the same, and I just want to say this. Um, he says you, we should be fairer and uh, sort of uh, teach the controversy. We should never criticize any person in particular. Uh, we shouldn't call people who don't think that this is a real issue stupid or anything like that. And if we've done that, I, I would like to apologize. But I will say that I no longer teach my medical students that there is a controversy about whether cigarettes cause cancer. Because that's, even though some people still want to teach that controversy, we're done with that. And I would say that this is exactly analogous. We have even more data that we are warming the globe than uh, smoking cigarettes causes cancer. So you can believe that. That's fine. But we have to move on here and uh, find some solutions. Because I'm not telling my patients it's okay to smoke fucking cigarettes. Wow. I'm getting out some aspirin for Tom because he's starting to have a stroke. <laughs> Anthropogenic climate change. Ridiculous. There's like 17 scientists left. That are still denying this shit. Uh, all paid for by the uh, coal and gas industry. Yeah. Oh, now, really? Even China's uh, science agency says, uh, um, sorry, we're doing this. So, again, teaching the controversy, don't accept that as flawed logic. Uh, we're way past that. Thank you for your letter. It's probably going to piss you off. You're never going to listen to us again. I get it. But we're going to move this forward because we're going to do something about this shit fast. All right, let's move on to space exploration. Mike Fernandez says there's lots of good reasons to go into space. Tom, settle down. Read the article. It's going to be okay. We need to go and be multiplanetary. Space program is awesome. I'm all for it. 
I mean, that's fine if you guys want to think that I'm anti-space exploration. But exploration doesn't require a million folks living on Mars with Starbucks and Domino's pizza. And I'm not denying the merits of sending some folks to Mars. I'm really not. You know, and again, I said on the plus side, it doesn't really matter. I don't think Elon gives a shit what I think about whether or not he should send uh, a million people to Mars. I think he worries about it constantly. Simon Drake is a uh, is sort of one of your buddies. He's like, I am so with Tom. Uh, this going to Mars thing seems crazy. We're destroying this planet. How about we fix this one first? That's the summary of a long email. Very good email. Thank you very much. He's the guy who came up with traffic-aware cruise control that you have already forgotten eight times in this episode. TAC. We'll just call it TAC. And Ryan uh, Harrington says, I enjoy the longer episodes. Thanks for the information. Looking forward to next week's episode. And somebody wrote, <laughs> Because the last one he heard could be better. <laughs> And then the newest mail that came in while we were recording this from Jeremy Stredwick. The subject is gas. And I don't think he was talking about you not rolling down your window, Herbert. So they talk about the cost between right. Australia using gas versus electricity. And even with Australia's high electricity prices, and I don't know what they are, it's cheaper to run your entire home on electricity than burning gas. So this comes into what you talked about last week a little bit. That's right. About I gave the I stoves. gave a teaser, but you know, I have to say that between getting ready for my tax returns because I file at the end and uh, working a bunch of night shifts, I just got too burned out and I didn't finish you my You still have a gas stove. I can't believe you haven't I replaced still it in the last a, week. And, and I have a gas water heater and – there's a gas burner on our dryer, which I personally use almost never because I have a clothing line out in the backyard. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's the, t- it's the end of Talking Tesla. Oh, I over. think it's our longest one ever. No, it can't possibly be the longest and one you ever. You know what's going to make us all feel even better? What? what? Is that we're going to go see Leonardo DiCaprio's movie. Oh, my gosh. I'll shoot myself. It's going to say the uh, Which I think is going to be great. Yeah, before the flood. It's going to be great. The so the next big thing that is happening is December 17th. It's a Monday. We're not sure exactly how we're going to do next week because I'm away. We will find a way to make it happen. And then the 28th is the big reveal of the solar roof and stuff. If there is a live stream, we will do a live event with Sake. Yeah. Woo-hoo. No gin and tonics? Yeah, you can have a gin and tonic. All right. You yeah. can have your choice of Ladies drink. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Tongue Tales 55 in the house. Talk Ooh. to you soon. Thanks to all you guys for listening, writing your letters. Keep them coming. I'll try not to be so angry at all of you. Bye-bye. And forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's next Monday, October 17th, that Elon says he's going to reveal a new thing. We don't know what that thing is. <laughs>